Hey, just my mic? Yeah, there we go. Hey, we're glad you guys are here tonight. We're doing a little different. Um, no music tonight. There is a little bit of, uh, we don't have a guitar. So does anybody have a harmonica we could whip out or anything? No? All right. Um, but that's okay. Uh, next week, we got overdrive, and we're going to rock it out next week. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right. So, um, man, I was down there the last couple of weeks and back on stage. It was really bright up here. Um, so we've been doing this series starting last week called On the Flip Side, and we're in week two. Uh, we're going to spend a couple weeks talking about our ideas of God and our ideas about different things and how God kind of takes what we believe about things. When I say we, I don't just mean us, but we as in humans uh, throughout history believe about certain things, maybe about God or about worship or about other people, and God gives us the truth of what he believes about those things and flips our beliefs and flips things on their head. Um, if you were here last week, we talked about a thing called righteousness. We talked about how, uh, for a lot of people, righteousness is doing church things, doing holy things, praying, reading our Bible, fasting, doing all that stuff. And we learned that the Bible says that's good, but sometimes we can do all those things and miss out on what God really thinks is, is righteous, which is uh, caring for other people and loving other people. And so that was how God flipped that idea of righteousness. And we talked about that in the book of Isaiah. And tonight, we're going to talk about um, how we miss misinterpret people, how we get people wrong. How many of you guys have maybe, you've ever been so convinced that something was true, you were like, you firmly believed something was true, and then you found out you're, what you, that you were wrong, and you just kind of felt dumb about it. Maybe you lost an argument, or maybe you said something over and over and over, and then somebody's like, no man, it's this, and you're like, oh, okay. I've been there a million times. I've put my foot in my mouth a lot. It's not as gross as it sounds. I just, I, I believe things, and if I believe something, I feel like I'm right. Uh, I'm not the type of person to walk around and be like, I don't know nothing. I usually think that if I know something, I'm right about it. And so I find myself having to apologize and feeling dumb when I'm pretty convinced about something, only to find out I was wrong all alone. Or maybe you, something you were sure was a great idea turned out to not be a great idea. Maybe something you were sure was going to be a great uh, step for you turned out to be not a great step. Maybe a great friendship turned out to be a not great friendship. It's something we've all had happen to us, and I'm sure we can all understand and sympathize with that. Maybe you thought somebody, maybe the other, maybe you met somebody, you thought they were a huge jerk, and you turned out, actually, that person is actually really, really nice, and I really judged that person wrong. Or maybe, maybe you realized they were pretty great, and now you're close friends. Maybe you're like me and somebody you thought that was a huge jerk, you ended up marrying that person. That's how wrong you were about them. Or maybe the opposite happened. Maybe you were so firm in believing that somebody was a good person only to find out they weren't so good at all. Or maybe, and this is more in line with what we're talking about tonight, maybe, maybe you thought something didn't have value only to learn that it was actually really valuable or really important. I looked up some things online today and I was reading some different stories about people who had things that were of no, little to no value to them only to find out how valuable they were. And I was reading a whole bunch of different stories about it and uh, I wrote down a couple of the cool ones that I thought. There was a guy in Michigan who bought a farm back in 1998, so a while ago. And the previous owner, when he bought it, pointed out this giant rock. It was a 20-pound rock. And he said, that rock is a meteor rock. And the guy who bought the farm was like, great. And he used it as a doorstop for 20 years just to hold his door open when he's bringing in his groceries and stuff like that. Eventually, he took it to Central Michigan University to have it checked. And it was a meteor rock, and it was worth $100,000. And he was using it to hold open a door. A woman in France was selling her house. Actually, let me tell this other story first. There was a guy who was cleaning out his old childhood bedroom. And he found in a bag in the closet an old Nintendo game. 
called Kid Icarus, which is like really old. I don't think any of you guys know who that is or what game that was. But it was still sealed in the package, and it still had the price tag on it, $34.95. And so he thought, maybe I could sell this like at a consignment store, put it on eBay or something, and get 50 bucks for it is what he thought. Sold it for $9,000. Things that we don't think are that important or that valuable, turns out they are. This is the one that I thought was crazy. A woman in France was selling her house and she brought in an auctioneer to appraise some items that she thought were really, really valuable. And the auctioneer came to her house and didn't really care about the stuff she had. In fact, the auctioneer was locked in on a painting that she had hanging over her stove and over her hot plate. And she says, oh, that's just a painting that I like to look at. It's not worth anything. Upon inspection, it was learned to be an authentic piece of lost art from the 1300s depicting the crucifixion of Jesus, and it sold at auction for $26.8 million. And this lady's like, oh, that's not worth anything. It's just a picture of Jesus, and I like to look at it. It was worth $26 million, which is like five sandwiches at Chick-fil-A now, you know? So, so sometimes the thing... The stuff we think is worth the most isn't worth anything at all, and sometimes the stuff we don't see a lot of value in is what has the most value. Some of us are bad at estimating the value of things, but what about when we don't value people like we should, and that's where we get to tonight, when we don't value each other like we should. How often do we overlook someone? How often do we judge somebody? How often do we push people to the side because we don't see value in them? Or maybe you felt that way before. Maybe you felt overlooked or undervalued or cast aside. You feel like people don't care. Maybe you've been that person who's treated like that. Maybe you know you've been the person who's treated others like that. It's not a good feeling either way. The guilt of treating people bad or the the pain of being treated poorly. No matter which person you've been, or maybe you're still one of those people today. If you're sitting here today and you feel like you're not valued, I'm glad you're here. And I want you to know, first and foremost, there is great value in you because Jesus Christ loved you so much, he left heaven to come to this world and die for you. You are so valuable. If you don't, if you don't know that, I want you to know that first and foremost. But maybe you're here today and you say, yeah, you know what? I don't treat people like I should. Well, that's a good first step, but then we have to take that second step and do something about it, right? But whether you don't value people at all or whether people don't see the value in you, Jesus has something to say with power to flip how we see things and flip our perspective upside down. And hopefully as a youth group, we can flip how we treat others so we don't treat others like the rest of the world does. As we talk about flipping, I brought something back here today. This is berries, and I don't want to move it around too much. And I knew we were doing the Olympics, and I knew we had watermelons, and I didn't want to jump around. But I brought a record player. Uh, so record players are like vintage now, right? Does anyone have a vinyl, like a record player, a couple of you guys? Anybody collect vinyls? Okay, so my son like loves music. Music is his number one passion, number one hobby. He collects vinyls. His favorite thing to do is go to Dearborn Music and, and look at the records. He has hundreds of vinyls. And it's kind of funny because if you listen to music now, you probably, what, just listen to Spotify, Apple Music. It's simple. You can listen to a whole album, right? You just press play, and it goes from song to song to song. Now, when I was growing up, uh, I didn't have Spotify, I didn't have Apple Music. We had CDs, and we had cassettes, and cassettes kind of sucked because sometimes they'd get loose, and you have to get a pencil and rewind them and things like that. But I do remember, as a little kid, we still had a record player. I feel like that's more maybe my parents' thing. My parents had a lot of records, and a lot of the records we had were ones I would never listen to. Is like old, really old singers like Perry Como and stuff like that, and I didn't really care all that much. But there's a lot of people who believe that vinyl records are the best way to listen to music. They think that there's just something about like the record and the needle that just produces like a slightly different sound, you know. And and so I brought in one of my son's records and I went in his room because he does like a lot of different styles of music. I said, Jake, I need an album 
that's like appropriate for church? And he's like, like Drake? I go, no, not at all, like Drake. I said, give me something that if I play for a few seconds, I'm not gonna have to be like, oh my gosh, all the kids just heard that word, you know? Uh, like a word that was on the screen on the, on the text last week that I didn't check ahead of time. I apologize, please don't tell your parents. Um, so he gave me uh, Weezer. Uh, anybody listen to Weezer? No? Couple people? All right. This is the Blue Album. It's a classic. It's from my generation. And this is kind of what it sounds like. If you've never seen a record player, how it works, you got to take the top off. I already got the record on. You got to take the needle and you pick it up. Ooh, it's so fancy. And then you just move it and the record starts spinning. And the music starts playing. This is, uh, my name is Jonas. Can you guys hear it? It doesn't really matter if you can or not. So here's the deal. This is like an album that I had in high school. I had this on CD. There's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine songs. But here's the thing about vinyls that are different than CDs, that are different than, well, I guess cassettes are the same, but they're definitely different than Spotify or anything like that. Let me lift it up here. So if you get to the last song, let's fast forward it a little bit and drop it back down. Yeah, it's quiet, but you guys can hear it. But as the last song ends and it fades out, the record just stops playing. And then what? Well, if you want to hear the rest of the album, what you have to do is you have to move the needle, lift it, and flip it over. You have to get the flip side to hear the whole story, to hear the whole album. If you listen to just one side of this album, you would miss out on Say It Ain't So, In the Garage, Holiday, Only in Dreams. If you know anything about Weezer, Say It Ain't So, it's one of their biggest hits. But for a lot of people, if you want to hear the whole thing, and I'm not going to play it, you have to flip it to hear the whole story. And for a lot of us, that's kind of what we have to do with our lives. We have to flip our perceptions. We have to flip our beliefs. We have to flip our stances. We have to flip how we see people if we want to see the full, clear picture. So when Jesus came, he understood that we, as people, saw things a certain rigid way, and he said, let's flip that. And that's kind of what this whole series is about. It's kind of like when we have to flip that record to hear the B side, to hear everything, to know all of it, if we want to do that. Meeting and learning from Jesus is a lot like that. Now, you don't have to do anything with like a needle and drop it or anything like that, but there will be times when we think our understandings and our beliefs and our perspectives, we've got the whole picture. We'll think we've had things completely figured out. We think we have a person totally understood, and we'll feel pretty confident in our judgments about God, about our church, about our friends, about others, and then Jesus shows up, and he flips everything upside down, and we see a whole new side of things that we didn't even know were there. With Jesus, we finally get the whole picture, and through him, our wrong assumptions get flipped upside down. So when Jesus was here on earth, he spent a lot, if not most of his time, correcting people's incorrect beliefs about God, themselves, and each other. At that time, a lot of people were under the impression that the people who were doing better in life were loved more by God. If you were rich, God loved you more. If you were powerful, God loved you more. If you were successful, God loved you more. If you were more athletic, God loved you more. That's how people in Jesus' time viewed things, even the religious people. They thought the wealthy, the powerful, the elite were the ones that God loved the most. And can I be honest, we wouldn't admit it, but I think today we still kind of think that sometimes. We still look at other people and get a little jealous of what they have, and we say, well, why, why do they have that and I don't have this? And we start to think that maybe God favors them. 
But in Jesus' most famous sermon that he ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount, he, he flipped all that upside down in something we call the Beatitudes. We're going to read from Matthew chapter, one, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. Let's read it together, and it should be on the screen right behind me. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which we talked about last week, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus was not known for telling people what they wanted to hear. Jesus was known for telling people what they needed to hear. And so what he says here is he uproots and flips the belief system of the time. He says, actually, you know who's blessed? The people who are struggling, the people who are suffering, the people who are mourning. Those are the ones who find blessing. And what he's explaining to them and what he's explaining to us as we read it is who or what matters most to God. Some of the people Jesus was speaking to believed, like I said, that God valued those of them who were higher up in their religious ranks. You know, if you know anything about the history of, of, of religion and things like that, not everyone had access to, to the texts. Not everyone was even able to read. And only certain people were able to be taught certain things. And so they thought that because they were, had access to that, they were better off and they were more blessed and they were more loved by God. And God says that's not true. If you were more successful in life, it's proof that God loved you more. So being rich, having power, that means there's just more value to you because that's what people value more, right? That's what we value. We look at rich, famous, wealthy athletes, and those are the people that, that walk the red carpets. Those are the people that have the most followers on Instagram. Those are the people that, that, that we, we say we want to be like. Those are the people that, that we, we imagine ourselves being as little kids. Not that much has changed between now and Jesus' time. We still look at those people. We might not say God loves them more, but we think, man, their life is better. But that's not always true. We have this bad habit of putting our ideas onto God and saying that he agrees with us. Jesus, though, said saying things like having power and status and fame, it doesn't get you any bonus points or any special treatment to God. Now, I will say, he doesn't say that it's wrong. You know, if you're here tonight and your parents have a lot of money, I don't want you to feel like, oh, man, Jordan's saying my parents are not loved by God. No, that is not true at all. I'm just saying that God doesn't love them more just because you got an extra zero in your bank account. All right? I want you to understand that. If you're a great athlete, that's awesome. God doesn't love you because you're an athlete. God loves you because of who you are. You just happen to be a good athlete. According to Jesus, the people who are most blessed in God's kingdom are people who have known poverty, who are grieving, who are gentle and kind, or people who are suffering because God values the people that the world usually doesn't. Sadly, our world does not value people like that. And like I said, this is 2,000 years ago, and I don't think a whole lot is different now. If Jesus came today and gave the same message, I think it would get the same reaction even within the church because we still hold these ideas that the more we do, the more God loves us because we think it's about us. But it's got nothing to do with us. It's got everything to do with him. We still think that those things define a person's value and importance. Imagine being in the crowd as Jesus is talking about who's really blessed and being someone who was always looked down on, always written off, being a beggar or someone who couldn't work, or someone who was sick, and finally hearing that you were loved by God. This was huge for that crowd of people. 
This was huge for a, a crowd of people that had been written off by the religious people, by the people who said they spoke for God. They had been written off, and Jesus came and said, stop listening to them. This is what God actually says. They likely had been told, and they likely believed, because if you're told something about yourself enough times, eventually you start to believe it, that they were less deserving of love, that they were less deserving of care, they were less deserving of attention than other people were. But now Jesus is flipping that view upside down. He says, actually, you're the ones who are blessed in the kingdom of God. They were loved, they were cared for, they were seen, and they were deeply valued by God. But the people listening who were religious leaders were probably squirming in their seats because they hated what they were hearing. What Jesus was saying almost came off like bad news to them. After all, if, you've, if all you've ever seen yourself is, is better than others because of all the things that you have, and Jesus comes along and says, you're not any better than anyone because of that, that's uncomfortable. Jesus' message was for everyone who showed up in the crowd that day and everyone who would hear the story later, like us today, as we read it again. To all of us, Jesus makes this clear, you guys. God sees and values people who are often overlooked. There's a passage in the book of Micah about another time God's people got this wrong. A long time before Jesus was born, people tried to make themselves seem valuable to God by doing a lot of religious things. It's a common theme we're going to see. People thought, I can get God's attention if I just act right. And all the time, we get it wrong. Just like we talked about last week, these people followed God's laws, they sang the worship songs, they raised their hands, they made offerings to God, but they lost track of the point. They, they cared so much about earning God's love, they forgot to love the people that God values. In response, God sent the prophet Micah to deliver a message. It's one verse, and it's powerful. Let's put it on the screen. It says, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? What does the Lord require of you? In one verse, we answer the question, what does God require of you? Young person, what does God require of you? Does it say that God requires you to pray every day? No, it doesn't say that, does it? Does it say that you have to memorize Bible verses? No. Does it say you have to raise your hands and attend church on a regular basis? No. Does it say not to do those things? No, it doesn't say that either. But what does God require of you? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. That is what is required of us. By the Lord. His message, Micah's message, was a strong criticism of anybody who neglected people, mistreated people, took advantage of people. In God's name, sometimes they would do that. And when people weren't valuing others well, God used Micah to show them a brand new way. He flipped it on its head. God invited them to pursue justice for people who had been mistreated. It happened all the time then, it still happens all the time now. God invited them to be merciful to others rather than judgmental and to humbly follow God's lead. Listen, anytime you're following, it's an act of humility. A lot of us want to lead our own life and have God follow us. That's never the way. You've got to follow in the path of Jesus. Some of these sound a bit like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Maybe it's because God has been trying to tell us the same thing for a long, long time and that God values the people that the world overlooks or mistreats. When you think you don't matter, and I know that's true of some of you tonight, maybe not right now, but you've had those moments where you think, I don't matter that much. Nobody will care if I'm not there. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. Nobody's interested in me. When you think that you don't matter, or where you think that you deserve to be overlooked or mistreated, Jesus flips that idea upside down and says, you are cared for. You do matter. And when you think you're better or more worthy of God's love than someone else, Jesus flips that upside down too. And he says, no, you are no more loved than anyone else. 
Right when we think we have it all figured out, Jesus flips our assumptions about who God values. A lot of you guys play sports, so you might be familiar with an award, an MVP. Just about every sport has an MVP, the professionals, the, the, the amateur levels, they all have MVP, different awards, they all have different names and things like that, but an MVP is a big deal, right? To win the MVP award is an honor, it's a privilege, it's something that people would be celebrating. You gotta be the best of the best to be the MVP of a team, of a league, of, of, a, of a conference or anything like that. And when you are an MVP, let's be honest, you get treated a little bit better, don't you? Because what's the V in MVP, what's that stand for? Valuable, the most valuable player. I want you to understand, when we think of value, to Jesus, you are not valuable because of how fast you run or because of how hard you hit or how far you can throw a ball or how you can lock down anybody on the court. That's awesome that you have those abilities and those talents, but that is not where your value is found. People might treat you better or worse based on your performance on the court or in a game. You know, you might be the star athlete, and when you have a big game, when you drop 40 on somebody's head, when you shut somebody out, when you strike out 15 people, when you throw three touchdown passes, next day at school, man, people are going to be celebrating you. But when you are the dog that loses the game, nobody wants to look at you, right? Your value increases and decreases by your performance on the field. I want you to understand, with God, our value does not increase or decrease based off our performance. God's value towards you is eternally the same. You are loved eternally no matter what. And here's the thing about the MVP awards. We think they're a big deal. But real quick, let's do some trivia. Can anyone tell me quickly, who was the 2018 NFL MVP? Nope. All right, next, who was uh, the 2018 National Basketball Association MVP? Nope. All right. You probably wouldn't know that without Googling. By the way, it was five years ago, Pat Mahomes, James Harden. And when that happened, that was a big deal probably. ESPN talked about it for days, for weeks. Some of us debated it online with our friends. All that stuff that was five years ago. Nobody remembers. You'd have to Google it to remember. How about this? Does anyone know who Brad Budenborg is? No? You guys don't know Brad? Brad was the MVP of the Garden City Cougars in 1997 when I graduated high school. He was the MVP of the basketball team. He was the captain of the football team, you guys. He, he went D1. He played for Oakland University. You don't know Brad. You want to know why? Because it don't matter. It don't matter. Some of the stuff we think matters so much to what our value is does not matter. I could not tell you what Brad's doing today. I tried to find him on social media when I was thinking about him for this lesson. He's, he doesn't even have Facebook, so I don't know what he's up to. I don't even know if he's alive. Who knows, man? I know that's a little bleak, but, you know, I don't know. I can tell you this, though. I know for a fact that Jesus Christ loves Brad Budenborg. I know for a fact that Jesus Christ loves Patrick Mahomes. I know for a fact that Jesus Christ loves James Harden, and he loves all three of them, and he loves all of us in this room with everything that he is, and it's got nothing to do with their trophy cases. And the amount of love that he has for you has nothing to do with the ribbons or the trophies on your wall or in your room or the accomplishments that you've done. Nothing you can do can earn any extra value in God's eyes. And here's what's really amazing. Nothing you can do can take away your value either. See, some of you, your struggle isn't that you think you've done enough. Some of you think you've done so much that you've lost value in God's eyes. 
Listen, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we were all-stars. Not while we were doing well. Jesus died for us as sinners. Your worst day, your worst moment. I like to use this example. If we put it on the screen, the thing, that moment where you would be like, I'm never coming back if they find that out about me. Jesus loved you through that. And he didn't love you any less while you were doing it. Jesus didn't love you any less in the middle of it. Jesus loves you the same. Because we are all deeply loved by God. We can stop competing to see who's the most valuable. Instead, we can choose to value each other like God values us. In the Sermon on the Mount, it's kind of like Jesus was giving away MVP awards when he says, blessed are these, blessed are these. I wonder today who we give a trophy to. If we were to narrow it down to like a student type thing, school age, maybe he'd mention the person who avoids the lunchroom because they're not sure who they'd sit with. That's who Jesus would say is blessed. Maybe the person who's endured years of bullying and trauma and abuse. The person who doesn't look the same, doesn't sound the same, doesn't dress the same, or just doesn't click with people. Jesus would say that person's blessed. The person who's quietly dealing with physical health or mental health issues, and nobody knows about it, Jesus knows. That person who's recently lost someone they loved, either, either to death or just a relationship that ended, the person who isn't sure where their next meal or their safe place to live is going to come from. Let me tell you, that's a problem that most of us will never have to deal with, but some of us do. And we are blessed to not have to deal with that. But if you do have to deal with that, can I tell you, God still loves you. The person who's anxious about what their family's going through, or the person who gets overlooked, or the last one picked, or taken advantage of, the person who's trying to figure out who they are or where they fit in in this world, in this youth group, in their school, in gym class, wherever, that person who has rarely felt loved in their life or valued in their life, Jesus would look at them and tell them they are blessed to be loved by God. Once you figure out who Jesus might give an MVP award to, I wonder how you could value that person too. I want you to think about people. Maybe there's someone in your school, maybe it's somebody in your house, your brother, your sister, your mom, dad, someone who just is struggling with their value. You could reach out to them and start a friendship with them. Now, it wouldn't work like that with mom and dad, but you can still talk to them. Maybe help them, defend them, ask them how they're doing, ask how you can support them. And if you're a person who often has felt like you're not valued, I wonder how you could begin to find more value in Jesus. We all struggle to believe we're loved sometimes. And sometimes we struggle to believe that we're valued. If that's you, maybe you need to know Jesus for the first time tonight. And if so, be a great night to do it. Maybe you need to spend time reading what God has said about how loved you are. Maybe, maybe you need to spend time talking about God, about, about how you're feeling, or talking to your group leaders. We break into groups. Share that. Share your struggles. That's what we're here for. Talk to an adult. But just like Jesus flipped the idea of who God values, maybe you need to do that in your life. Like the vinyl that we played, you have to flip it over if you want the full experience. So who in your life have you not given the full experience to? Who in your life have you not given a fair look to? Who have you valued poorly? In Jesus' upside-down kingdom, it's not the most perfect, it's not the most popular, it's not the best-looking or the richest or the people who go to church the most who are valued by God. Jesus shows that we are all valued by God. And to make that point, he puts special attention on the people who nobody thinks about. I want you to think about that person tonight. And maybe it's someone you've got in your mind already. Maybe it's somebody that came to your mind right away. Can I get like two adult leaders up here to help me? Uh, 
I've got tiny little vinyls that I want to hand out to you guys tonight. I want everybody to take a vinyl. And as you do that, I want you to think about that person in your life who you have not valued, who you have not given the proper respect to, who you not, have not loved like you should have, who you have neglected, maybe you've hurt. Or maybe as you think about it, you think, it's me. Maybe you're the one that's hurting, and maybe you're the one that you love the least, because sometimes the people we struggle to love the most is ourself. Maybe, maybe your worst enemy is you. Maybe you look in the mirror and you hate what you see, and you don't see any value, you don't see any worth. Can I tell you something? Flip the page. When you take this home tonight, I want you to think of that person. Put it somewhere where you see it. And whenever you see it, I want you to think of that person, I want you to pray on that person. If we need extras, there's some more right there. But I want you to take these home, not just as a little trinket. I mean, they're kind of cool looking, I guess. But I just want you to think of someone. Someone that you can pray for. Someone that you can reach out to. Someone you can invite to drive. Someone you can share the love of God with. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's your sister. Maybe it's a kid in math class. But I'm sure there's somebody. I'm sure there's somebody. And if you're struggling to love yourself tonight, use it as a reminder of yourself. Whenever you look at this thing, whether it's on your dresser or in your mirror, remember that God loves you. Maybe you've only seen the bad side. Flip it over and look at what's good. Jesus values all of us, you guys. If you're feeling less than valuable today, I hope you remember Jesus loves you deeply. If you've been trying to prove your value to God or others, I hope you'll trust that you have nothing to prove to him. And if you've been overlooked or even hurting someone Jesus values, I hope you make it right this week by choosing justice and mercy and humility. Jesus flipped our assumptions about who God values. So what will you do this week to value the ones that God values? Let's close with a word of prayer. We'll do some announcements. We'll head to our small groups. God, we love you so much. We thank you that you are a God that takes our ideas and, and, and our views and shows us the truth. And sometimes it's, it's hurtful and sometimes it, it feels uncomfortable, but you flip things right on their head. God, I pray that we are challenged tonight to see others how you see them. Let us never judge our friends. Let us never judge the people in our classes. Let us never judge each other by how good we are at things, by how good we look, by how, how smart we are, how good we did on a test. But let us always see people through the lens of your eyes, Jesus. Let us see people as loved, forgiven, and worthy of you. Father, for those who might be struggling understanding that about themselves tonight because they've never called on you, I pray that tonight can be the night that they make you their savior. I pray that they speak to their leader, they speak to me, and they get those questions, they get those fears, they get those doubts addressed, and they go home tonight secure in who they are in you. We ask all of these things in the name of your Savior, in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen.